Hi, I'm Chris Hutchings and I'm your host. Welcome to the 10Q Interview Podcast. The podcast that talks to content creators about their journey, about the lessons learned, about their processes and about the advice they would give to those who want to be content creators themselves. You may be experienced or you may be yet to hit publish or record, but I guarantee you there will be loads of insights and takeaways for you to think about. In today's episode, I talk to content creator and host of the Real Talk Business YouTube channel, Mr. Ross Jones. If this is your first time here, I wish you a very, very warm welcome. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I think you're going to. If you do, let me know your favorite bit on social media, at 10 Interview everywhere you may look. And most importantly, don't forget to hit subscribe or follow wherever you are listening to this. It would also mean the world to me, and I'm sure Ross too, if you share this episode far and wide. There is so much gold in here, let me tell you. And you're going to think of several people who you think would probably benefit from hearing it. Make sure to let them know. Anyway, enough from me. Now, on to the podcast. Ross, a very good morning and a very warm welcome to Thank You Interview. Thank you for coming on the show today. We're here Thanks to talk about me. real talk business. I guess before we crack on, it probably makes sense. Do you want to give everyone a, a, a 15 second whatever elevator pitch on, on what you're doing, how you're doing it, why you're doing it? Well, not why you're doing it, because we'll cover that in a minute, but. Uh, yeah, so I suppose it's real talk business for me as there's so much stuff online. I've got three kids now as well and all different ages and like, you know, the, the growth of TikTok and just information sharing online, there was just so much noise uh-huh. and, you know, the birth of the 12 year old financial expert of telling you how to be, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever. And it, it kind of really pissed me off because I thought, you know, there's so much stuff that people will follow and just blindly go, it's just that easy. And, you know, I come from like more of a, a star to be sort of background. I love to build products and stuff like that. But I just wanted to, it was like my journey as well. I wanted to share my journey of really finding what does work, you know, what interesting platforms are out there, but also trying to dispel some of the myths or the information that's put online now of it's just that easy, just do these things. Well, it's not, it's, it's work, it's long term. And if, for every one person that gets like, rich on crypto if i have to hear that one more time you know yeah so for me it was just it started around that and that's where the theme came i guess that's the thing is that that and invariably the people who watch it and the people who are most susceptible to getting sucked into it are the people who are a little bit vulnerable and actually have that desperation right that need to make it work yeah and they and, and i hear so many of them they all start the perfect like or the perfect side hustle if you're broken lazy it's yeah. like that's you know it's the people that sit in there you know <laughs> scrolling through i'm broke think, i'm lazy Where I'm, broke and I'm lazy great <laughs> i can this is going to be easy and you just think no no and so yeah that that for me was the the reason why i started this this channel specifically anyway okay so real talk business um why youtube well funnily enough i actually started a youtube channel back in 2020 and that was just at the start of lockdown when and it was meant to just be sharing stuff with family because we didn't have access to see them and right. where, where yeah. i live over in france yeah, yeah obviously i'm detached from my family anyway they're in the uk or around the world so it was a good way of sharing stuff like that and i've always liked to make videos um but that it was mainly just for family and then i started sharing some more we did like a couple of go-kart builds and things like that and so i thought oh it's a really and that started to pick up so that channel was fairly good but I realized that I it cost me a lot of money to do because every time I'm like oh I'm, I have to buy more go-kart parts or buy like all these things I'm like bloody cost me a fortune and mm. 
and it took me a lot of time and then it became like something that I had to do or I thought I had to do and yeah. so that wasn't where I wanted it to go but I I kind of at the beginning of that I was thinking it's just for fun and then you saw the growth and thought bloody hell actually it's a it's a really interesting platform to be able to reach people and so when I I still do stuff every now and then on there but not massively and I, I kind of thought that this is something that I want to get more into uh, on this platform so using YouTube I thought it's a great way to yeah to, to reach people um, it's a good way to build an audience and uh, yeah and so it's a it's an interesting channel which for all its ups and downs and it, it does have its downfalls as well it, I don't think there's a better platform for long-form content for reaching people and using for you know being a most people I know like if I'm trying to find something out I'll often just search YouTube for it nowadays. Yeah. You know, I want a video on on something. So it's like it's it's one of the one of the biggest search engines in the world, and I know TikTok is is rising in that, and I do utilize that to some degree. But just for my sort of content, I think that YouTube is a really good one. So that's kind of that's kind of why I chose YouTube. Did you the the, the sort of the business aspect of it, the the money making potential, was that was that a factor in the decision? It was to a degree, um, less so from a kind of AdSense point of view, because I'd previously, like I said, previously had my other channel and I'd known well, What did that... the other channel do? Like, not do, I mean, how, how many subs did it have? How many videos you put out on it? That kind of thing. Well, so that's a bit of a weird one as well, mainly because when Shorts just started, um, I was messing around with Shorts. So we the channel basically did like car builds, so I've got a couple of car projects. We, we did the go-kart projects and stuff like that. So I've got a few go-karts and um, a quad bike and my cars and stuff. So it, it tends to be around that sort of stuff and doing it with my kids and things. And yeah. uh, and so as I was doing that, but shorts, short form just started on, on YouTube. And I was just experimenting with like just editing really, not really related to the channel stuff, but just to play around with, you know the sort of reach and stuff you could get on it and what what it was like and yeah. i didn't really think about it i didn't really think oh this is going to be a thing and so i uploaded a video it was um an, a video of someone ice skating in basically in their in their pants in uh in <laughs> on the frozen river in amsterdam and it was i got it from a it was a news article an australian news article and so I took the video and I clipped it. Is that, it is that the I, one where he crashes through the ice? Yeah, that's the one, yeah. And yeah. I so I clipped it at like nine seconds. It was just as he falls in. Yeah. And so, and it was really funny because that just, it went mental. Like that that little clip, it was done in just a way that everyone's like, well, what happened? What happened? And there were loads of videos of the actual full thing on, on YouTube and that. But as the short, it was like the first one that got uploaded that that was of this topic, of, of that like news article. And um, And I just thought it was funny. And it just, it kind of blew up and it, it eventually settled. There were like 95 million views on it. And it was just Shut like... Shut up. On your channel? Just on that on that one short video. It was absolutely insane. Wow. And, and this was before they monetized shorts, before they did anything. So I I received like nothing. It was, I think it was like $3 I got from that video. <laughs> and uh, But it also took our subs up at the time to something like, I don't know we've since quite lost a few because everyone realizes the channel's not even related to that sort of thing at yeah. all. Which is that which is why I like I took it down eventually. I deleted it because it was just like it just didn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, so I deleted it. It had ninety five point nine million views, and I deleted it. 
but that it got the channel up to about 50 55,000 subs something like that it was uh it was quite crazy oh my day. okay so the, all right so we're going down a bit of a different tangent here i wasn't expecting yeah. to have this conversation <laughs> yeah. so it's interesting you raise that then because a lot of people i speak to about shorts and you kind of alluded to it in what you said but a lot of people say there's a bit of a love-hate relationship with shorts and creators right because they think that it doesn't drive subs or it um drives the wrong kind of subs which i guess is sort of what you said yeah but i wasn't expecting you to turn around at the end there and go oh well i've still got fifty thousand odd subscribers from it yeah and so they it, it drove a lot of subs but i think the wrong kind of subs like you were saying i think that they're they expect then a different thing and i do think that youtube have done a lot to try because back in the day they were very separate they were like they did shorts and long form was there and there was yeah. no real tangible link between the two so they have got better at trying to re if you're if you like sub to someone through their shorts you do get recommended more of their long form content and stuff like that but it's just in the back especially back then there was like no link at all and so when people did start to see this stuff especially because it was completely unrelated it just didn't lead to quality qual like i could put up anything on my main channel no one would watch it so it's like a mess will have had so i started that with about 1900 subs and then obviously went to like 55,000 and eventually it's, it is tailing off. I think I lose about 70 a month or something like that. Are you, are you still uploading on there? I haven't for a while, mainly because, you know, I might, I've got enough, I have about 9 million things that I do uh, on the side and, and it, it just didn't. So every time I have something, I put something up there, but it's not, it's not something I massively push nowadays. Do you, do you want to name drop it and have me link to it in the show notes? Uh, you can do. Um, I can I can put it up there. It's just it's called BFT builds, but I, I'll, I'll you can put it in there. People, yeah. if people are curious, then then fine. But it, yeah, it's not something like that I massively do much with, to be honest. Okay. But it enough. taught me a lot. I think that was like a real a real lesson in understanding a bit more about the dynamics of YouTube and especially the you know the rise of short form and how that's being used. Uh, and I'm still learning a, a ton about that. And I think there's a big thing that people think that short form is just like an advert for your main content or yeah. like this little teaser and that's how people try and get you to watch then the long form and i think sometimes that works i see that quite a lot with things like uh, you know either pressure washing or cleaning people's driveways they're like if you want to see the full video go to my main <laughs> channel and and so that's the there's that like call to action and stuff like that but because i've spent so much more time on tiktok these days there's a huge audience of people that are interested in shorter form content, but it yeah. doesn't necessarily mean, I think YouTube are lagging behind a bit because TikTok now do like, they had a, I think 10 minute videos was the longest. Um, and I think it made five to 10 minutes, something like that. And people are interested in that whole story. So it doesn't have to be so short. So yeah. for me, it's everyone saying that short form content should just purely be like, a, a, a snippet and using that i don't think it is i think it's an opportunity to provide extra content to your audience so you for me like i did start experimenting with like clips of my main channel videos on into shorts and i just thought it just didn't feel right and it, it feels like just a cop out like i don't yeah. feel like that's the right way to use them uh, but i but i haven't massively utilized them again just because of time and again i've got loads of other things i'm doing but so that's what i was just going to ask actually because it's all well and good saying you know you can do long form you short form and obviously you've got reels you've got tiktok you've got youtube shorts 
but they're almost in in the way their own channels in their own right that you almost have to create dedicated content for each channel yeah so for a content creator such as yourself um you know we'll talk about your other channel real talk business where you're trying to dispel myths and i guess that kind of debunk stuff it's tough right to then say okay well i've got this long form content over here which is i don't know 20 minutes about um side hustles to then get that into a i mean just changing it to to um portrait and actually making it a thing that's i don't know it's it's tough it's a big ask because you probably and and i you know you want to be everywhere but you can't right realistically as a as a a solo creator i completely agree and so because i and it's and it's half of it's like dispelling myths, but half it's then looking at because I I kind of react to the audience as well. And so audience love to see things like new platforms that are coming out. But you know, real estate investments is is one I, I do quite a lot on and different platforms. So I like have a look at different platforms, and so that takes some time as well. So I've got to sign up, do all my stuff, and I want to use the platform because if I'm going to then say, oh, I've been looking at this one, I I want to use every single one which yeah. is a lot of effort as well. And so trying to go through all these different things. And I like to speak to each company. I like to have conversations with them because I want to find out more. And so I do all those sorts of things. But then when you're trying to, you create a long form and the long form may only be 10 minutes, but then when you're trying to squeeze that 10 minute into, and everyone's like, oh yeah, you can just take, you can take 10 shorts from this 10 minute. You're like, we can't. Not yeah. like if you're, tr- not if you truly care about the content. And, and, and in, that's the, and, that's the and key, isn't it? It is. If you're just like mindlessly doing it, like there are so many people that say, oh, I can take your content, your existing content and turn it into shorts. I, I don't think you can, not if you want to do it properly. And I think you're 100% right when you're saying about they're all completely different channels because having having experimented with, you know, real shorts, TikTok, stuff like that, the audiences expect different things. Yes. So they, they, bet, they completely perform differently on it on every different one so you have to you have to really edit them in a different way to make them valuable on each different platform and i don't think that people realize this they think oh we can just you know reuse content across all but if you want to do it properly you can't do that no and and you say they don't realize it the problem is i don't know if you're on linkedin much but there's a lot of people on linkedin who push the same message oh you know create one piece of long form content divide that into 10 shorts and into that 10 shorts, you make 10 tweets and that 10 tweets or 10 threads. And then you make that 10. And it's like how to create a month's worth of content in one day. And it's just bullshit. It's like you can do whether it's good content is a totally different question. And whether it's going to be content that actually on each platform is going to be what the audience on each platform expects is another question. Exactly. Yeah. And, And that's, and I think that's the, if you really want to do it properly and respect your audience in that way as well, you have to do it. You have to manage each channel completely differently and your content strategy should be different for each platform. That's, that, that's what I would do. If I was doing this full time, I would hundred percent have it so that it was dedicated. Each channel had a completely different strategy and yep. I, I worked it in that way and I planned content around that. And it would be like little bits, you know, for me, it'd be like how, how can you get people to understand what goes into these things? But you don't, people don't want to have the same content. Why would they watch your full content if they're getting most of the clips somewhere else? Like, how are you going to convert them in that way? It's like watching, those, it, film, it's like watching those film trailers, isn't it? That just sort of tells the whole story in a film trailer. Yeah, you're like, well, I'm, I'm not going to watch it now. So, yeah, and, and so for me, it just it, it, it just doesn't seem right to do that. And I think okay. that that's going to be different. 
I think in the future we will see people having to adopt that strategy because it will just no longer work. It will be regurgitating the same stuff and people go, well, I'm just bored of this. Why would I watch the same thing across four different channels? Okay, so let me ask you a question then. So if there's any aspiring content creators watching this, I think, do you know what? I want to give it a crack. What would be the answer? Because you know as well as I do, putting out content is not a five-minute job. No. You start extrapolating that out across four or five different channels, it adds up pretty quickly. What, what would be your thoughts on that? It would really be that my answer would depend on the goal of that individual creator. You okay. know, what, what are they trying to do? So YouTube is great long form. It's great in the long game as well. Um, but I also, because so I've, I've got a, a cheese app that I, I, I have as well. It's one of my side businesses. And so I utilize TikTok a lot for, for that. I only started probably about six, six to eight weeks ago because I thought, you know what, this is a potential. And I'd, I'd experimented with other things as well on TikTok. And I thought, you know, I really want to grow the number of users on that. So I'm going to, I'm going to utilize that as a, an acquisition channel. But again, right. you have to have, you can't just spam, download my app, download my app. You know, you have to have the content strategy behind that. So it yeah. really depends on what your overall goal is. If you want to convert someone to something, if you want to just build a general audience, whatever it is your general goal is, what's your value prop? What, what does it come around? And so then you have to look at what channels people are using for that and how easy it is to grow an audience. And if you think like, I only, yeah, like I only started this TikTok for my, my Jesus app, about, yeah, probably six weeks ago. And I have just every single day, I think I've missed like three days or something, but pretty much every single day I've, I've pushed um, at least one TikTok out and that's grown to just coming up to 900, which isn't massive, but I haven't had any viral ones or anything like that, but mm -hmm. it's, but that's in six weeks. So how, how quick can you build an audience on YouTube? And you, you will know like YouTube is not easy to, to get no. to that many subs in, in that amount of time, Like that takes no. ages. And so to be able to reach an audience, TikTok has a, like every TikTok has an ability to reach a brand new audience straight away. Yeah. So that, the, that really depends on what you're trying to do with that audience, what you're looking to reach, what your, what, what your end goal is. But I still think YouTube for me and a lot of the stuff I do is great because again, it has that SEO, it has that searchability. So yeah. I would say it really depends. I would sack off Instagram reels. I don't think there's, for me, that there's not a, a great amount of value in them. They don't have the same sort of level of reach. Um, that for me, anyway, that it wouldn't be in my strategy for my my goals. Um, I don't. Again, I'm not doing B2B stuff. I do do a bit of LinkedIn stuff because, especially for, um, and this is just for cheese stuff because there's a lot of cheese producers on there, and so and it's just purely for that. And so again, it's looking at what my goal is and thinking, okay, but I don't focus on LinkedIn. I focus, I want to build the audience. So I'm like, okay, I'll focus on where I can build an audience. And so that for me is TikTok within that one. But in my real talk business, I mainly focus on YouTube because I want people to be able to, a lot of the things I cover and it's like monetization as well. And I monetize through things like affiliate links. So if I want people to convert, the easiest way to do that is actually through a long form YouTube video. That's a, yeah. by far the easiest way to convert versus a short it's funny it's there's an old marketing phrase like about you know you, you try to sell to everyone you end up selling to no one and it sort of comes back to what you're saying if you're trying to be on every channel you're going to do nothing on any channel or it's going to be slower yeah 
And I think yeah. like I had a conversation with someone a while ago and it is just purely working out what that conversion is. Like what are you, what's your funnel? What are you trying to get out of this? Cause everyone has an agenda long-term or whatever. Uh, and it, it depends on what it is. And if it's just purely growth to start with and you haven't worked that out, okay, work, work out where you can grow the fastest, but yeah. you're, you need to then think about the longer term. Like, what does that mean? What are you going to do when you've got an audience? What does that mean to you? What are you trying to get with it? And so, Having a strategy from the, the outset really then dictates where you should spend the most time or put the most effort in. Okay, good tips. We'll come back to goals and stuff later on. I want to talk about your, you, you mentioned about the Real Talk Business channel and you said about checking out platforms and stuff. I wanted to talk to you about your brainstorming and your ideation process behind that. Like, How do you choose what to talk about? Why do you choose such things? Um, and what your process is from going, getting that idea. Yeah. And that's, that's probably the trickiest one because I, even though the channel's pretty small, it's like 2,261, I can see it. Um, it's not that big, but even at that fairly low level, I still get approached quite often by different platforms saying, use my platform, try our platform and all this sort of stuff. Uh, but it really has to be something. So I tend to ignore most of those. Because if they're approaching me, they want to get it out there. And I don't like to be approached by people. I like to find stuff. Yeah. Um, but I like I like to find things that are new and interesting that have something that I maybe haven't seen before. Or that have something that I'm a bit like, oh, that's actually quite interesting. Uh, so I covered. And it also depends on their receptiveness to when I reach out to them. So right. because I, I work in product management is, is my day job. So I like building products. And I like understanding more about the product. So I will ask questions purely about the product, how, they, how they're building it, what's their strategy, what they're... So I like to really understand what they're doing and their receptiveness to tell me and talk to me about that sort of stuff really helps me understand what sort of business they are. So I'm like, okay, if they're like, oh, well, let's jump on the call or have you run... Like I met, I've met with a number of platforms, chief product officers and stuff like that just because I've reached out and asked questions. And does, so does I that will... create a conflict when you're trying to review the stuff? I don't think so because at the same time I try and be as transparent as possible. Like I want yeah. to understand if, and if I, if I don't like their stuff, then I can, I'm happy to say that like there, there are downsides of everything. Um, everything has a risk. I, my, I'm trying to understand more about a platform for me is trying to get as much information as I can. So I wouldn't necessarily, it doesn't feel like a conflict to me because they're not like selling to me in that sense. They're just giving me a background to my questions that I'm asking, like, how did you build this? What's your future plans? So I can yeah. then relay those. And it's often stuff that isn't on their website. So things like, you know, what markets are you going to enter next? You know, what what's your strategy for whatever, whatever. And so it's trying to really give that information that isn't necessarily readily available. Okay. But equally, like I did, I did a review on um, one app product um, for like alternative investments. And, and I, I don't mind them. I think they're, they're fine, but their receptiveness to give me answers of updates and stuff like that has like dropped off. And, and so I share that with my audience. I'm like, you know, like that I, so for me, it's like the good and the bad. It's like, yes, I reviewed this one to start with. And if people say they, they, so I've got a discord as well. So I put my discord in, um, in quite a few of my videos and right. people join, join there to ask questions and stuff. And they ask me about stuff and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I do have money in there, which I do, um, but I haven't put any more in, mainly because they haven't been that 
active in pushing new updates to their products. They, they're a bit cagey when it comes to answering my stuff. So for me, like I'm, I'll share that with you as well. And so, oh, I so they, and... they're cagey answering as a customer, as opposed to as a YouTube reviewer. Just in general. So there's, they've got like a, a, a forum. So I ask questions on there and they're just a bit, they're just not very responsive and, right. and, and, and they don't want to give that much information out. So the good and the bad, I'll try and get as much information as I can. And yeah. I don't mind asking hard questions. And at the same time, I'll happy share that with my audience. And my audience sometimes come to me and say things like, oh, I've heard these things, what do you know? And it may be a bad thing, it may be a good thing. And I'm like, I'll, I'll have a look and see what I can find. But at the same time, you know, I respect that you might have found something bad, you might have found something good. Um, I don't know everything. I can only go on the information that I try and seek out and try and find. Um, but it is a tough one, that whole like integrity thing as well. Like I could just blanket pick the list off a website and say, I'm just going to review all these things. But then if I've not tried them and I've not had any experience with them, then for me, it's a bit like, well, I'd rather give my own true experience. But equally, I have to say that that might not be the same for you. You know, my experience might be different. Like I can't I can't use these for 10 years before I tell you about them because yeah. that's not physically possible. So it is it's a difficult balance to try and try and strike. I guess it's, it's proving that you've got the scruples as opposed to a lot of these that's a mass generalization i know yep. but a lot of the people on youtube or social media who don't necessarily and are just following the money yeah yeah and there um, is there is obviously for most of these things there are monetization incentives as well so that makes it even harder to be like okay well you know where's the line and so it yeah. is difficult but i think just trying to be as honest as possible and and this is where i think the discord has added value because people can have continued conversations. And this is why I wanted to start it because a video is one thing, it's like an entry point, but then people are in there and they're like, oh, um, you, have you used these recently? And I'm like, have you heard this? And we have a whole conversation in there. So I think that's that's what I like to be able to have a continued conversation rather than just, uh, this is my opinion. This was my opinion a year ago. You know, well, A lot versus... can change in a year, can't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um. I'm going to change all of the questions around a bit because I think it's more relevant now. That's so, right. what are your what are your goals with Real Talk Business? Uh, that's a good question. Do you have a goal? Yeah, not massively. I just I like to. So I I also started investing late. Like okay. my my kids are my kids are older. I've got like an eight year old, a fifteen year old, and an eighteen year old, and I try and share as much stuff with them as possible, and. My, so I, the reason I really started it as well is because I separated from their mother. And at that moment I was like, and, and she was, she was never into investing or anything like that. She was like, you know, I don't get it. And so I was never, it was never possible for me. So I was like, you know what, I've got to like catch up on this stuff now. And so I wanted to share the journey about that and my okay. learnings and everything like that. So it really started around that. And for me, it's like, my goal is to have as much invested as possible. I want to, I don't want to be retiring at 70 or whatever the age is when we're due to retire. <laughs> yeah. Like I will always be working in, in some way because I just physically can't, but I want to try and, and utilize as many different ways as possible and share those with people that I'm trying or that I've had success with to try and reach my, you know, not having to work or being able to retire at some stage. So I, I you know, I see so many people nowadays that, 
I chat to her all the time. It's like you know, the mid forties and literally have no pension, no savings, no investment, and they're just relying on the government or the state to just look after them when they retire. Yeah. And I don't want to just retire. I want to retire and be able to live the same level of life that I do now, and that requires work. So I'm trying to catch up, basically. So my goal was essentially to to share that, and as I do, dispel these things share my experiences, share my journey. Uh, so that was really my goal in, in the process. Um, okay. And I'd love to just also show, I think in the future, I'd love to show some of the stuff around the things I'm building as well, you know, the products that I build. And also the fact that it's just, it's really hard. It's not easy. There's, there aren't any quick wins. And that comes back to this dispelling this bullshit about you just do this one thing and it, and it works. So mm. that, that's really just my goal. It's about sharing my journey, to be honest. I don't really have like a, an end goal. But if that if that if building that audience around it helps me get to my end goal, then, you know, so be it. But again, it's to show that that's taken X number of years to do that. It's not today. It's not tomorrow. It's like it's taken a long time to do. So I think just sharing that really is my main goal. Do you, do you see the channel as an investment, as something that could provide you a pretty steady or decent return in, in years to go in the years future? Potentially. I mean, I make sod all on AdSense right now, but uh, but it's uh, it has potential, you know, you know, I, yeah. I do make money off YouTube. It's not it's not insignificant in general, but I, it has to be seen as investment because the amount of time you put in, it's it's quite a lot. It's way more than I get back out. And so yeah. it, it is an investment. But it's trying to utilize it in the best way as well, you know. I think building an audience is a great thing. It's understanding how best to use that audience and provide value to that audience. Um, yeah, that's that's the kind of key thing. But yeah. building an audience ultimately is is what most people are aiming to do. And so, yeah, you know, I, like I said, I love to build products, and if there's a way that I can I can do something that helps serve my audience at the same time, anything like that. I just like to listen to understand what they want, what they're looking for, what their interests are, and then see what see where you can take it from there. So it's definitely an investment. Um, wh- whether it where it leads, I don't know. But I think the whole thing for me is just seeing opportunities amongst yeah. that as you're growing, and just being open and receptive to to the opportunities and where it takes you. That's that's pretty much what I try and do. It's like your very own product market research tool, isn't it? Yeah, totally. It, re- it really is. Like that's, it's the best way as well. And it helps me as well. Like just, yeah, find new things for myself. It forces me really to look into things more. Like having yeah. that, that need to do something every week makes me then go off and go, okay, am I doing the best? Am I keeping up to date with what, what's going on? You know, am I diversifying in the right way because the stock market's shit or you know am i so I, it forces me to to try and keep on top of all of these different things and so i like that part of it as well how do do any of your video ideas come from your community sort of like whether that be people in your discord or whether it be people commenting and yeah, the second definitely. part to that is if they do how do you decide what is actually something worth looking at and something that's just not being shilled by someone who's like, "Oh, have a look at this uh, crypto coin I'm uh, I'm invested in," and actually, because they want you to promote it. Yeah, um, 
I often look for trends. So if I if I hear something around the same topic, this is yeah. why I've covered quite a lot on on real estate because the stock market was doing so poorly, and so a lot of people were trying to look for opportunities. And I have a complete mix of American and Europeans. And a lot of the American stuff I covered, it's a real pain in the ass for any European to invest in because of the SEC and all the KYC stuff. It's just really difficult. So most yeah. of them you can't invest if you're in Europe. So all of my European people were like messaging going, can you cover something in Europe? Can you cover? And I had that so many times. I'm like, okay, let's, let's use that as the basis for my research to try and find something that's more catered towards Europe in this space. And then I use that as a start and then I'll look around to try and find multiple different sources of different potential platforms. And then I start to break them down that way. So that's, that's 10, that tends to be, I rarely would cover something if someone said, like, like you said, like, just look at this coin. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily, unless there was some actual real thing that I thought, okay, this sounds quite interesting. Mm. Um, I've covered random stuff, like different back in when I first started, it's like apps that say they pay you to listen, like pay you in Bitcoin or whatever to, listen to music or stuff like that and i was like all right is this bullshit or not and so you look at it and you go yeah pretty much like you, you, you learn like <laughs> learn nothing through this and so it's just trying to test stuff so people don't waste their time on it really so i'm happy yeah. to cover things like that and just go yeah it's not worth it or so I, I don't mind going down that route and i'm happy to look at those sorts of things but i'd, I'd never just shill a coin like that's not something that i'd, I'd cover just because as much there are so many different variables in that, like outside of a, a, a standard like investment platform. Like there are so many variables because I've done stuff and projects in the crypto space and you could be building the best thing in the world, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the coin's going to go up. Like no. it just doesn't like environmental factors. Like it could, it could dive and go 90% down tomorrow, but the people yep. are still building the stuff. Like, so it has very little variance on the actual coins value or whatever it is in what they're building long term it might do but in the short term you just can never tell because of the market and so it's very difficult to be able to recommend anything with that level of yeah variability to it so i just think that it, it's easier to stay away from those and but even you know even on the platforms it's very hard to to know what environmental factors will feed into the success of those as well so it's like trying to express that you know these are my views i'm just trying this out and but i don't know how where it's going to go you know and yeah. the same for my stuff as well so but it is difficult you just said something then that <clears throat> kind of made me really think and it's something about geography in youtube yeah and i guess in particular for you it's even more important because what one would invest in in the states as you mentioned or like asia australia Europe, wherever it might be. And I guess I don't really know what the question is, but it's more about how do you think about that? Because do you, obviously you want to grow your audience. Now let's say for argument's sake, you take the USA, there's, there's, there's a lot of people, I think it's what, 300 million odd people who live in the States. As opposed to the UK, for example, where it's 65, 70, whatever it is. Yeah your content will be very much directed at one or the other potentially and i'm putting words in your mouth a bit but how do you do you think about that sort of stuff yeah and it's funny because if you really wanted to 
run this purely like as a business and try and maximize it you could go down the route of like checking out what the highest cpm is and stuff like that in which countries and just yeah. try and tailor for that like australia has a really high cpm compared to the rest of the world don't know why it just does uh in in this like kind of niche anyway so i don't you could just go i'm just going to target things that australians can use and you could just yeah. go down that way but i think for me it's like trying to trying to strike that balance because you you have to one put yourself in amongst whatever your competition is in that space as well because yeah. there are about a million people doing the same thing as you so what makes you different like and it is trying to find what makes you different as well or trying to embrace that and you either go i'm just going to do my thing and not think anything of it yeah. but at the same time if you have an audience you have to try and cater that so for me i do try and work out it, it, it tends to be america and the rest of the world because because purely when it comes to these sorts of investments, most of the time, if it's the rest of the world, pretty much anyone can invest. It's, it, it doesn't it doesn't tend to lock out people, but America stands on its own. So I try and kind of alternate between things that are America based and things that are rest of the world based. And I do try and balance it because, you know, I have people from different sides and I'll always have yeah. people going, wait, I'm Canadian. I can't do this or I'm so and so this. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay. Um, and I'm like, sorry, but I can't, you know, I can't always cater for all of you. Um, but I'll try and find things that have the, those two sides. And that's where I tend to look at it. I don't, I don't tend to look at, you know, CPM and stuff like this. It's purely yeah. about trying to have a balance between things that are available for both sides of those. Okay. Fair enough. Um, on the topic of audience, the next question is about audience engagement. And I know you've spoken a little bit about your Discord. And, and but I'm kind of, I always like to talk to creators about how they engage with their audience, whether they do it or whether they, because there seems like this fine line when you get to a certain size and the engagement level drops. Yeah. yeah. But in my opinion, you sort of have that initial engagement, which helps you grow. And then there's this kind of weird divide and it stops. What's, what's your thoughts about audience engagement? I actually do have a load of comments that I need to reply to now. I've just, it's on my list of things to do, but I do try. I do try because I do think there's a lot of value that you can get from it. And I do yeah. think at a point, I, I'm not at a point that it's overwhelming. I mean, there's, there's a lot I do need to respond to now, but it's not an overwhelming amount. Whereas I think that when you hit a certain point, if you had a hundred, hundred K subs and you're putting out say two videos a week, or whatever it might be, you've also got all your legacy videos as well. So the comments that come in on there, you see, you know, oh, it's a full-time job, isn't it? It's a full-time job just, yeah. just going through it. And you can't physically read them all. You can't physically respond to them all. It's just not It's not possible. In fact, you could probably employ someone to look through comments to try and just work out, you know, take the best things from it. In fact, yeah. that's probably a, a, a good product idea for ChatGPT to get it to just scan. It's actually a, it's a business idea I, can't, I keep writing down about. Uh, and it comes back to what I was saying, right? It's like if you start off with a channel... Everyone says you've got reply, you've got reply, you've got reply, which you should do because, you know, whether it's like, you know, it's good, it's good feedback or whether you get ideas yeah. or whatever it might be. And you see it time and time again. And, and then you get to this point where it's like, oh, I've got a certain amount of subs or a certain amount of engagement. It's like to, to what you said, you can't physically do it. Yeah, especially when we when we consider all the content creation that we were just talking about. And you're there yeah. going like, oh, I'm supposed to create all these different content for all these different how do you manage that across all the different platforms yeah. as well? You know, if you've got them across, you know, you responded to TikTok comments, you responded to Reels, you responded to, like, you'd just be there, it would literally be there all day. Yeah. And that's hard. But I do think there is a there is a little niche there. And I'd much prefer, I'd much prefer to utilize something like that that helped me 
respond to comments better or helped me if you get to a huge size help look for trends within comments so it's like yeah. I, there are loads of questions about that you know that's probably yeah, yeah. a good video idea or something like that that would be of much more value than these ai things to create content that just like chuck Say out meaningless con- yeah <laughs> thumbs up yeah oh, exactly yeah. but no it is difficult and, and this is why um I, I like to try and get people to join my discord because you just have a much longer conversation the conversation is always there and people can come in and they can equally then read the things that have already been put in there uh, it, it's just there forever and you can on youtube comments and stuff but there's there's more of a dialogue in discord like it just seems more natural and yeah. and so I, I really started it for there and and it, it's it, we're not very big i think there's about 60 70 people in my discord so I, I haven't been pushing it that much but it's uh it's really i i find it it probably the most valuable thing to be able to just engage with an audience in that way. And I think if I was doing YouTube and recommending it to someone, I would 100% recommend starting a discord because again, it's another way to build an audience, but you have a direct chat with them. You can literally have conversations with them. They can help you with feedback and everything like this. It becomes much more of a connection in that way. And I think the value there is, is massive. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Do you have any trolls? No, not yet. I'm not probably not big enough to have trolls. So at one point, I'm probably gonna get loads of them. I'm but... really surprised you say that because I, you know, look, the, the topics you talk about, I feel like it just invites certain people into it sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I, again, the the algorithm probably hasn't found me in a in a, in a, in a good enough way yet. So uh, that's probably the main reason behind it. And um, I, I sometimes have a few trolley comments, but not. It, it's few and far between. I have far more inquisitive uh, and positive comments than I do uh, otherwise but do you think that do you think that is partly the algo finding more su- like getting better at seeing who would react better to your videos or am I overthinking that no potentially I think because it is more niche and so where I'm probably going to be recommended is on places where people are watching very similar sorts of content and so I can imagine that that's just the type of people that are there Versus, yeah. you know, you, you, you take Mr. Beast, obviously the most popular channel in the world or one of the most popular channels in the world. And anyone that's trying to create like Mr. Beast type content is trying to aim for pretty much everyone. You're yeah. aiming for like everyone. And so you're much more likely to get those sorts of trolls on there because you have everyone rather than people yeah. that are on YouTube for a specific reason. Uh, but this is a thing that Shorts is, was always again, quite difficult to do because it didn't necessarily at the time, the algorithm wasn't very good. So you got way more trolley comments on shorts because it's pretty much open. It's like trying to find you new people. Yeah, exactly. And so I got way more like, like troll comments on, um, on shorts than I ever did on, on my long form content. Yeah. Interesting. I've only had one troll so far on YouTube and that was, I was on a short. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, okay. You mentioned briefly earlier about your sub numbers, and I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on analysis when it comes to your content. Do you analyze it? Do you look at what's worked, what's not worked? Um, with a view to maybe, I don't know, doubling down on different ideas or, or that sort of thing. How much attention do you pay to it? That's an interesting one because I've had this time and time again where I've paid attention and I've, I've really like gone down the rabbit hole of trying to 
replicate certain things or try you know if something but was a success but how do you how do you repeat that how do you do that yeah. and it's never worked and yet i've produced <laughs> something that i thought was absolute shit and i've rushed it because i ran out of time and it's performed really well and i'm like i just, just don't get it. it makes no sense and so i genuinely have stuff that i've thrown together because it was like shit i haven't got a video out this week uh and i've done all the research and stuff i just hadn't had the time to film and edit and so yeah. I, I put together what I thought was uh, one of my worst videos and then it performs really well. And you just think, don't really know what to do with that. Is there an element of, I mean, you've been doing this for a while now. Is there an element of, and I guess there's so much resource out there about how to create and how to, you know, what you should focus on. Is there an element that you know what the theory is and what you should be doing? And you do that, and then actually, as long as you adhere to that theory, looking at your sort of retention graphs and the rest of it afterwards are not as important as they used to be? I don't think so, mainly because I'm the worst at actually doing the things that I know that I should do. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. I'm like, I, get, I know I should be better at this. I know I should be better at this. Uh, and What's then the one I, and thing, then What's the one thing my... you... you find a challenge my, well because, like just generally i'm trying to stick to like if i try and make an outline script i hate scripts yeah. in general because i it, i think it's 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 not a very good way to have like it come across organically and i think one of the hardest things about creating content online is finding finding your voice but finding out what your persona like who you are because we often try and replicate the channels that we think we should be like and that means that we're not being we ought to be casey nice that yeah or yeah. Well, yeah, exactly and and yeah. and so you need to find your style but also be true to yourself because that's why people are ultimately gonna engage in your content they could get your content from anywhere but i've tried some i watch a ton of youtube and it's it could be anything it could be like van builds car builds i literally yeah. have such a spectrum of youtube that i watch and i've tried sometimes to watch people recommend stuff like try this guy try this guy and you just you can't I can't engage with them and it's just mm. nothing against them as a person it's just it's i don't know what it is i just can't so you have to and, and you've got to realize that as well you've got to realize that some people just won't get on with your style or who yeah. you your personality and you're like All right that's fine i'm okay with that but you still have to be true to that so i think that when you try and when i try and do something really for scripts like create scripts and stuff like that and even if i'm outlined to that i'm really terrible at, at sticking to it i end up going off and things like that and i know that to be to be better, I need to be more concise. Like to, to get better engagement, I need to be, again, yeah, more concise, more planned and, and, and really kind of hook people in that way. But then I'm like, yeah, but that's not me. Uh, I don't really think I can do that. So I know that I should be doing these things, but at the same time, I find it difficult to do those things because I don't feel as true as myself. Have you changed your presenting style since you started? 100%, yeah, def definitely. And I think it's just because when it, when I was doing the, especially when it came back to like the, when I just started on the other channel as well, it was really awkward. I hated being like in front of the camera. Like it was just, just terrible. And so you kind of get used to it and you just assume that no one's going to watch. And most of the time they don't, so it's fine. And so, <laughs> so you're just like, whatever, it's, I, no one's watching this. So I can just say what I like. And, uh, and so you start to get more comfortable. And I think that's the thing. It's, it's that comfort in front of camera, being able to just feel like, you can be yourself and be a bit more natural. But then it's mm. like, okay, 
I don't want to be too natural because <laughs> yeah, I yeah. still need to like make it make sense. And so I, I, I've definitely changed. Not necessarily. I suppose it's fine. It's finding my own rhythm. That's that's yeah, what I've yeah. found a bit more. And instead of trying to replicate how others are, how others are being, it's trying to find myself a bit more. But like I said, you can't go too much that way because no matter what you do, you still need an element of enthusiasm. And, you know, if I was just chatting and, you know, me and you were just chatting away here and we like just, you know, my voice is just normal. We're just having a conversation. Yeah. People just don't, that's, that's not, that's not given enough. Like it's not given enough. And so I do think that when I'm recording, sometimes I'm like, okay, I've got to record. Okay. You've got to get yourself in that. You can't, you can't see this, but what's really interesting. I've got the sound graph along the bottom of my screen of your yeah. mic performance. And you're like this, like this, like this. And then when you just did that little segment and then it's just like, yeah, exactly. And then when you came back, and, and of, I think it's, that, it's a really funny visualization of exactly what you just said. Yeah. And, and I, th- I think you, it's a complete difference having a conversation with someone just, I'm just ch- having a chat, like my meetings at work versus you want someone to watch this for a period of time. Yeah. Like, and, and, and so regardless of being yourself, you still have to bring yourself at a slightly elevated level. You have to bring yourself with enthusiasm. You want people to actually be enthusiastic about watching this or engaged. And so you could just sit there and just go, yeah, this is a thing. You should probably try this platform. This is great. And I really like it. And it is great. But you can't. You still have to elevate that slightly. So even though you're finding your own voice, you still have to make sure that you bring the most enthusiastic you to that. And that's not about changing yourself. It's just about trying to actually get that across. Do Do you think that's what people struggle with, finding that balance between like that baseline and then that over YouTuber to sort of finding that middle. Do you think is that something that people struggle with? Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's definitely something that I think that people don't know how, how to be themselves. You know, they're, like yeah. I said, they're, they're, they're trying to mimic all these other people and that's either the way they talk, you know, the, the way they present, the way they put stuff across. And I think that then that, you have to first find yourself before you can then find out what the next part is. So, and that's difficult because it is like an evolution. And for me, it was very much like, okay, I need to be this certain way. And then I'm like, yeah, but I don't feel like comfortable that way. So you've got to find comfort, but then you've got to like lift it up slightly. And so it's, I think that's a real struggle. How old are you? You don't mind me asking? You never ask a girl their age. Um, (laughs) No, I'm, I'm 37. Okay, so you're a little bit younger than me, but the reason I was asking is because I feel like, I guess maybe you're, the yeah, but we were growing up sort of pre-camera phone and pre-video cameras maybe were kind of a bit more thing, I suppose, when you were, when you were growing up. But whereas you look at your kids, my kids now, they're growing up with these things stuck in their face 24-7. And actually... Yes. I wonder, I wonder how much of a thing, and it's the same for me, man. I used to hate being on, on screen, hated it. And I wonder how much of that was just almost like a practice. Just, you, it's just something, you know, it's a new thing. Never practiced it. Yeah. And I do, I do also think that it doesn't matter how much you consume. I don't think that necessarily helps your, your comfort level being on camera. Um, no. And I, I think that there's I 100% always, think it doesn't. Yeah, I, because it, 
it's just it's a weird thing that you just have you have to get used to. And but I think it's the same as the same but different as um, presenting. You know, if you're presenting yeah. in front of an audience, you you have to just learn. But to most be people don't do that, right? That's the point. No, no. Yeah. And you but you have to be uncomfortable. Like unless you put yourself through that discomfort, you will never find it easier. You will never get to that point. And I still, I, I when I was building my first startup, I presented i pitched a lot on stages in front of like big audiences and stuff and i hated it like i'd get proper sweaty palms and i'd absolutely hate it <laughs> but then when i'm up there you realize that one you can't really see anyone anyway the lights are in your eyes and yeah. you, you know the topic you're talking about so as long as you know the topic you're talking about and you feel comfortable there then that kind of takes but i still it doesn't matter if you said to me tomorrow you're presenting in front of you know 300 people i'd still feel exactly the same regardless if, if i knew the topic or not um so i just i, I don't think that changes no, I, I remember years ago, I I, was, I remember because I was wearing a suit and I haven't worn a suit in years, but <laughs> I, I remember I was up on stage and I, I did, I was sweating. I could feel myself sweating. Yeah, that's, I know that so well, yeah. I, and I took my suit jacket off and there's like a perfect V where the suit had joined in the middle. And it's just like the rest of the shirt was just a different colour. It was funny. Just soaked. Yeah. Um, anyway. But we still do it. And um, I think that we're we're way better for it because I think that, it, it just makes it so much easier to to learn how to grow. I just think that there are so many ways that you need to push yourself, but I think that yeah. it's so easy not to. It's so easy just to stay in your little comfort zone because everything seems seems difficult. But for me, you have to experience discomfort in order to get better at anything. And this is the same with, with comments of people just if someone could just turn around and say this video is shit you go all right <laughs> like like slightly like, like and that's, and that's constructive <laughs> yeah and, and I, I don't mind receiving uh, negative feedback uh, or being challenged on stuff because at first especially on the other channel that you know get some i'd have more troll comments on that channel i think i think the audience is, was wider and it's it's less niche and so i think that you have to get at the first, I it, like I, I could feel it. I like I absorbed it, and I got bright red, and I was like, I'm so not comfortable with someone <sighs> telling me that I'm sh- shit or that that no one's going to watch you or whatever it might be, or just. And I'm just like, okay, that's that's quite painful. And then I realised, you know, after a bit, you have to you have to realise that you can't please everyone. You don't need to please everyone, and then mm. well done for your little comment. Like, I just don't really care. Like I'm, I don't know this person. It's fine. But yeah, it's very it's a difficult and uncomfortable situation when you have to put yourself out there, especially on the internet where you're open to literally anyone. And I think that's quite difficult for a lot of people as well, opening yourself up to potential ridicule, um, because you know that's what you that's what you're doing. <laughs> and as soon as you put something online, you open you open up the whole world to just go, you're an idiot. You go, yeah, that's probably true. I am. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I mean. That kind of segues quite nicely onto the next question. And it might be, when I ask this, it might be something you've talked about already, which is fine. But what is something you struggle with or find tough? What is it something? I think, so I didn't realise this um, until I think last year. Um, Someone asked me, do do you think you've got ADHD? And I went, no. They were like, are you sure? And I went, no, I don't know. I have literally no idea what you're on about. And and so I went down that whole rabbit hole and 
um, went and got diagnosed and they were like, yeah, 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 you do. And I was like, oh, okay, that kind of explains my entire life. And so one of the things that I've really realized in, in learning this is that one, I have mega shiny object syndrome. I'm like, oh, look at that. that. That seems really good. Like, I want that. That's, I want to do that. And so this is why I have like nine side projects on the go at the same time. Uh, and the hardest part about sticking to one thing is as soon as something feels like work or I have to do it, I don't want to do it anymore. I go, nah, it's like someone's telling me to do it. So trying to then be consistent with anything is then hard. But what I've realized is the best way to do it is to just not feel like you have to do it. You have to do it because you want to do it. So it's like trying to change the mindset. And so some like some weeks I'll miss a week because I've got, you know, life in the way. And I have to go like, okay, instead of beating myself up and saying, God, you need to do this regardless, you just take you have to be a bit easier and go, look, it's okay, it's not a problem. Make sure, you know, and just try and make it a bit more like you want to do it. And so that's the biggest challenge for me is trying to strike that balance between having to do something and wanting to do it and having to manage yeah. myself in that way to, to make sure that I can continue to do and continue to want to do these things. So that's, that's my hardest thing that I struggle with. There is an unbelievable parallel between me and you there on, um, <laughs> on that. And weirdly 10 Q interview is my thing that I'm a, I'm a shiny object syndrome as well. And I'm also a, I'm both things you just said. And 10 Q interview, I said to myself, I am going to carry on doing this hell or high water i am going to do it and that's not forcing myself to do it necessarily it's just like do not quit because i started yeah. this project you, you may or may not know this i don't know but i started this project in 2012 wow. and back then it was before podcasting it was before youtube well it was be before that sort of as it is now and i did some like i don't know 10 interviews with people and it was all text-based like blog posts yeah and i had some really i had some like say big names I said like Hollyoaks actress uh um the US actor the uh the guy who wrote the in-betweeners oh yeah, yeah and a few others and and I so and it lasted I don't know like 10 maybe 10 interviews and then I got to like, like from 2012 to 2022 23 and I was like oh I wonder where I would have been if I'd carried that on and I have a few projects I look back on like that and I think I wonder where and you think would I be Joe Rogan yeah. And, I, and the first person I said that to laughed. They were like, oh, as if you're going to be Joe Rogan. I said, well, look at it a different well, yeah. way, right? If you'd, if you'd have had that consistency for 10 years, yeah, like maybe not Joe Rogan, but you'd be somewhere, right? But Yeah, 100%. And I think this is what yeah. people don't realize, the power of, like, and it's, it sounds all like, oh, my God, it's fucking, here we go. Uh, but the power of consistency is, it is oh, huge. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 that's, and that's the most... The most frustrating thing about myself is that I think that if I could only be consistent at everything, <laughs> that like, I just mm. think, holy shit, where would I be? Because I, there are lots of things that I think that I'm doing that are hugely valuable, but focus and consistency, if I could nail those things, that I, I, you know, it would just be amazing. Like the growth, like even yeah. on the, like they said on the cheese, cheese app side of things that's been just amberly like it's just been organically growing i haven't really pushed it i've really done anything i'm like oh, i should probably do something with that and it, it grew like consistently over the last couple of years and then i thought you know what if i'm actually just consistent with whatever the goal is 
And that, so I was like, okay. So I got a whiteboard in my office and I like started whiteboarding and saying, what are my long-term goals? How am I, like, what should I look at? And how I, how can I be consistent every day in something small to have an impact yeah. on that? And so I just tried breaking things down like that. So I was like, you know, I need to be better at this consistency. Because like you said, if you just do this stuff, like the yeah. power of that builds up. And especially on YouTube, on podcasts, you never know when an episode or something is going to pick up and everyone goes, holy shit, like there's the growth has been crazy. And you see it all the time. Like I see like YouTube channels just being like this and it's steady growth, it's steady growth, but it hockey sticks at the end. And yeah. it, it's often not one of their latest things that's caused it. And, and there's so you never quite know the power of the things that you've done previously and how that's going to impact your future growth. And so I think mm -hmm. that there's so much be said for just it and you don't have to beat yourself up about it the consistency can be small things as long as you're doing something every day to work on whatever that goal is like that yeah. mounts up massively over time the compounding impact is huge isn't it like that, that yeah but you don't see it for one, ages one 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 percent a day um yeah you don't and that's 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 the problem we're all we're all adverse to delayed gratification right we want that instant um Amazon yeah, and, and society and, pushes yeah. into that, especially with the things like, you know, we don't like it, we scroll past, and and being able to have that instant gratification then it makes it that much more difficult to stay in there for for the long term. So I think that you just have to realise, and it doesn't matter what it is. Like I've, I'm halfway through reading um, Atomic Habits as well, and it's a big one there. You know, it's all about that, right? It's the compound effect of of the one percent increase every day. And it doesn't matter if it's fitness, your job, whatever. You don't see the results for some time. But you have to just trust yeah. that it's having an impact. And even, especially when like building products and stuff like that, sometimes it can feel like it, you're getting nowhere or you're not getting anything. But the lessons learned in that make it so much... I, I don't mind folding a, a project. So if I build something, I go, it was a shit idea. I don't mind. Get rid of it. I learned so much in doing that that I can then spin something up like 10 times faster. Like nowadays, if I've got an idea, I can get I can get it like mocked up or anything in like a tenth of the time that I originally could. So my cycles have become shorter. So everything that you do has an impact. You just don't necessarily know where that's going to play. And that's the same with making videos. You probably don't notice that your own difference in what you're doing or how you're doing it. But it is getting better or you are improving or you are trying, you know, that it has an impact. It's just we don't necessarily see it. And that's the hardest part to just plowing on and getting on with it it is it's just it's just a shame you can't bottle that information or and, it, and you know you could tell people that all day long but it just they don't seem to twig it and i'm, and I'm equally as guilty i'm not sitting here on my high horse going, <laughs> yeah. well, you should realize that um yeah consistency is it's, it's, it's immense isn't it and it and it's trying to the hardest thing i find about then consistency is it's when you want I don't want to stop doing lots of things. I don't think it would be physically possible. So it's then going, okay, how can I, how can I keep being consistent in small ways on the things that matter at the time? And so that, I think that's the hardest balance is trying to really work out what that consistency looks like. It doesn't mean you have to put eight hours a day in on each thing. It doesn't mean you need to work till three in the morning because I used to do that and it, and it didn't have an impact. So it didn't have the same level as impact of like, if you just did one small thing a day. So it's like, okay, what is that one thing? So that's the yeah. hardest thing to work out is that it's like priority versus impact. Like what's the priority, but what's the impact of it? And trying to really work out if you're going to do one thing today, make sure it's the most impactful thing. And it could just, it could take 10 minutes. 
but what's the impact of it? How do you work that out? So it's like trying to break down everything. Like my to-do list, I always try and look at it and go, there are loads of things that I'm probably going to avoid, but what's the impact of me not doing this? Or how, what's the impact of me doing it? So I try and at yeah. least balance out the impact of the things I'm doing to be able to prioritize it. Let me ask you a provocative question then. So your yeah. nine projects or whatever you said you're working on, if you binned off eight of them and went solely focused on one of them, whichever one it was, would it get to a bigger, better place quicker or would it get there full stop? I guess it's probably a, a better question. Yeah, I always I always kind of uh, have this existential crisis um, as I'm lying in bed crying to myself. Um, <laughs> no, no I, I, do, I often think about this, uh, but I, I honestly don't know. Um, I don't know whether I could physically do it but I also, I don't know whether the extra time would help me push in the right place. I don't know. I, I, don't, yeah. I honestly don't know. Um, I don't know whether I'd utilize that in, in the best way. I feel like I'm like multi-threaded. So I don't feel like I, if I put all of those into one, it would, it would help. It would help exponentially more in that way than it would not. But I honestly don't know. Like, I, yeah. No, it's, and, it's and I wasn't I wasn't asking to challenge because I'm the same as you. I have multiple projects going on. And someone said the same thing to me. Like, why don't you just like focus on one, which is the conventional wisdom, right? It's like yeah. focus on one solely. And, and I see the upside to it. I do. Yeah, 100%. But then, the, then the, the, the rebellious person in me who doesn't like doing what they're told kind of wants to push back on it and go, do you know what? I kind of enjoy doing this and this and this and this and this. And yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. They, I maybe if I, yeah, like maybe if I did one, then it would be like a multi-million project, whatever. But I just, I don't know. You kind of got to do what you like, right? Yeah, and and that that also comes comes to the whole thing of, for me, re- I wouldn't. I like we I spoke about re- retirement right at the beginning, and and retirement for me isn't not doing anything. I would continue doing the same things I'm doing now. I love building products. I love doing these things. I I wouldn't stop doing that. It's just being able to afford to do it with more freedom. And so that's yeah, that's yeah. the difference for me. And I think that when I think about all these different things, you have to enjoy what you're doing. You have to enjoy the process. Like for years, I, I spent seeking out the happiness. Like happiness for me was this, if I just got this one thing, if I, I was really career focused, so I was like, I must get this job title. That will make me happy. I must earn this amount of money. Yep. That will make me happy. Yeah. I must get this thing. And it never did. And I wasn't happy. And I and the, the problem with that is I probably lost like, you know, five years to that, to not realizing what I had. And so that whole part and what I learned along the way and that journey, it was missed out. And so now it's like I could focus on that one thing, but I love what I do. I love the whole journey of it, like every single yeah. day. It, I love being able to dip into different verticals, different sectors. I, I just, I enjoy it so much. And so I would I get the same fulfillment out of it if I just went into that one thing and forced myself to do it? Probably not, because I'd feel that that was the pressure on this one thing to do something. And I just don't think I'd enjoy that in the same way. So my enjoyment and my fulfillment is is my biggest priority. And that whether that yields something along the way, that's perfect. I'd rather have it that way than be miserable and have some level of success higher than I have now. I mean, that's yeah, the wisdom there 
what you just shared there is one of those things like I record in a podcast. I think, oh, I wish a million people listened to this because that. <laughs> but the process is so important, right? If you don't enjoy the process, then the outcome, who cares? And yeah. the other thing is, is you can't always, you, you can't control the outcome. All you can do is control the process in getting there. So exactly. Or trying to get there rather. So if you, if you, if you don't enjoy the process and then the outcome doesn't do what you want it to do as well, Oh, that's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. And, and and if you don't enjoy the process and you get the outcome, you're probably not going to enjoy the outcome because you won't realize it. Yeah. You know, it, it, it just, you won't get it. And, and, and I found this, you know, chasing job titles, I, I earned more, I got higher up uh, and I, and I do well. And I got to the point and I went, no one gives a shit. Like if I die, my headstone is not going to have on there my job title. They're not going to sit and yeah. read my eulogies and say, Ross was a great yeah, guy. He was the so-and-so, so-and-so. <laughs> cares like literally no one cares they couldn't give a crap what you do as a job title they care who you are and what you stand for and so nowadays i tend to introduce myself and they're like what do you do and i say i create things well that's what i was gonna say it's another society thing right society deems when you meet somebody people you're like oh hey ross what do you do what do you do yeah that's the default and so now i just go yeah i I create things because i do i love creating it doesn't i don't care what it is like if you want to ask me about what i create i'll go into things but like I'll, yeah. I'll introduce myself as as a creator because that's what I am. I don't care what box you want to put it in. I'm a creator. Yeah. That's it. Like it. I like it. Let's move on. Getting deep there. <laughs> if you could shadow one YouTuber for the day, who would it be and why? Oh, that's a question. Uh, probably no one from my niche. No one at all. Okay. Um, I've got a lot of respect for TJ Hunt, who's a car automotive content creator, because he has, what I believe, built something that is like multi-leveled. So he's utilized the channel beautifully. Like he has all his car builds and stuff on there as well. What he actually really loves to do is drift. That's not really my thing, but at the same time, I'll still watch it because it's his stuff. But he also was like, oh, I want to build uh, my own personal body kit. So he started a company that built body kits and he, they do car parts and all these sorts of things. So he's got that whole thing yeah. and that's his. So his YouTube then becomes his whole distribution channel. So he's yeah. built this whole industry, this whole business that has multiple different levels to it that came out of him just creating car content. And so I've got a huge level of respect for people that do that. That again, they do something they love, so they end up building an audience behind it, but then they find ways to monetize it. And that's not to like monetize your audience, it's building things that you love, but other people might love, and they can end up, you know, it's, it's buying potential and stuff like that. So it, it, it's, never, it's never felt like a spammy thing where it's like, I'm gonna milk my audience for all I can with merch and all this sort of stuff. Which I, I I hate I hate that sort of concept. But so, at the same so time, so was he was he building the channel and then he got to a point where he's like commercializing it. Yeah, and and, and so he built the channel just yeah creating car videos when he was probably like sixteen or something, a small little okay. kid just making car content. And then as it grew, he was like, well, I want to do things with cars that I can't actually do. Why can't I just build a build a company around that? And so then started yeah. doing these other things that he wanted to do. But then it's like, well, actually, other people might be interested in this stuff as well. And so it's it turned into this whole whole thing. And there are probably loads of other creators that I could come 
come up with but i just watched one of his things that's probably why it's on my mind and so yeah it's 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 people that manage to do that successfully without feeling like spammy or disingenuous or you know that that are truly yeah. using their passion and creating businesses out of their passion i think that's that's what i really respect about those sorts of things yeah i, just, I listened to a podcast the other day about a guy does the channel epic gardening you heard of that one yeah 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 i know yeah so he did, he did the same thing he started off his gardening channel and then he's like oh people keep asking about these raised beds all right okay well i might as well start selling raised beds and then he, he built it into a whole um entrepreneurial thing is there a tj hunt aside are there any creators on youtube that you will watch as soon as they drop something oh i think that changes very like a lot i don't think there's i'm just trying to think trying to think, see if there's anyone that i would do 100 percent. do you could do you consume a lot of youtube yeah, like loads, definitely. More so, more so than I mean, I I don't know what your TV situation is out in France, but more so than regular TV. Yeah, I, so I got Netflix and stuff like that, and but I I consume way more um, YouTube than I do Netflix or anything for sure. Yeah, just for the variety of it, and I think just yeah, that you could you can I watch about anything, and I think just the ability to have that and find new stuff is way better than it is across Netflix. Like I've end up just flicking around for ages trying to find, and then I'll ask people for recommendations <laughs> and stuff. And you just think I've just wasted half my evening and I'll only take like a, a couple of hours just before bed or whatever. Um, yeah. And I'd much rather do that and watch someone that's building cool stuff. But yeah, I just, yeah, for me, I'd, I, uh, I, I consume way more YouTube these days. And I, I genuinely think that some of the production value on YouTube is, it's insane these days uh, yeah, not mine agree. definitely not my content <laughs> but for some people's content it's insane like genuinely it i have so much respect for the people that put stuff together and i look at it and just go holy cow i watched one recently it was a 19 year old girl that built a uh, like her own van i don't know why i get so much van life stuff on my thing but probably because i've watched one and now i'm inundated with it but there it just it you know having an 18 year old myself then this uh, 90 I was like okay I want to see where she goes with this and every one of her she calls them films they're like 15 minutes but the production value is insane I was like she's 19 she's she built this van herself and I was like I don't really care about the van I was just I was like mind blown by the production like color grading like angle what, she what's has, her like, name oh it's I'd, I'd have to find it it's um let me let me have a look um share, share it with me and I'll put it in the show notes in case yeah, de- I honestly, I'll, I'll find it and I'll, and I'll send it over to you. She was, it was genuinely so good. It was like even the intro, the intro must have taken like a few hours to film. Like just all the yeah. different angles and everything. Even pack, going into pack her van, she had a drone shot above her as, as she opened the thing. And I'm just like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. It was genuinely like a film. Like it, I, if, it, if it was on Netflix, I would have gone, yeah, all right, fair enough. Like, yeah. I, I see nothing wrong with this. This is, this is exactly fitting. I'd I'd love to see it. Well, just you mentioned your kid then, eighteen. Is your kid into videos? Well, do they see what do they see what you do? It's like, oh no, dad, dad's putting up. Is it embarrassing? Is it cringe? Or is it something like they're going? Yeah, they want to do it. Probably, especially my cheese TikToks. They probably they probably look at me and just go, "You're an idiot. You're an absolute." But they tend they tend to do that's that. Anyways, a, that's so a default for a kid, though, isn't it? Yeah, I, it's kind of feel that 
I'd much rather be represent, like, be true to myself. And I'm like, yeah, I'm an idiot. I don't care, whatever, and that's fine. And so I'd much rather have that than not. And so, yeah, like the 18 year old used to do, he used to actually be pretty good at like After Effects and stuff like that, and he got into that for a while. Um, but never, but then just was like, nah, I don't, I'm not really interested anymore. And this, um, I, I was like, you know, this is a really good skill to have, like especially in this market, like it's stuff that people yeah. will pay for. And I think there's so many choices of what you can do as a job, it becomes a bit overwhelming. So I think for them, it's just, it's more difficult from, than when we were younger, in a sense. I think we didn't have as many options, but at the same time yeah. we had to find things more. So I think our ability to like search for stuff and problem solve is better than the generations of today because they have so many options and stuff are available, then everything just becomes yeah. overwhelming. So they, they like consuming, but they're not really into the whole creation side of things, like not in not in, like not in video style things. And they probably do think like dad's creating another TikTok. This is really cringe. My eight year old doesn't. <laughs> my my eight year old wants to be involved. She's like, Dad, can I be in a cheese TikTok? And I'm like, Yeah, go on, man. But she's still a cute eight year old in. That's good for views. Yeah, I know. I'm like, Come on, <laughs> get in there. I, uh, but I'm sure my, that would change. Kid... I'm sure that would change when it becomes like awkward. I think it's there's awkward teen stage as well where you start to feel a bit more self-conscious and stuff. And, and then you go through this other stage where as you get older and where you just don't give a shit anymore and you're happy to embarrass yourself. And I'm at that proper dad stage where I'm happy to embarrass myself anywhere. It's fine. I don't know. I don't know if your kids are a bit older for it, but did they get, or are they into the sort of the YouTube stuff that, so my, my daughter, my oldest daughter's five and she watches a lot of YouTube. Yeah. And there's like these kid YouTubers, I call them for lack of a better term. Who's I don't know if you're familiar with them or not, but the numbers these families and kids are putting out oh. will make your eyes water. It is insane. It is. I've, and s- my, I've seen some of them. Yeah. My, my daughter keeps saying, "Oh, daddy, maybe we could." Can I? What's it called? The Tannerites is one of them. Like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of views. And she's like, "Oh, daddy, maybe we could do this." And I'm like, "Oh." Part of me seeing that you know the Ferrari and the house in Dubai and all the rest of it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's definite upside to it. But then the other side's like, oh, you know, do I ever want to send my kid down the Macaulay Culkin life path? I don't know. Like, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough decision. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think that I have 100% seen these. And so my daughter watches, I can't remember what the name is, but yeah, a couple of these where the girls are gymnasts or something like that. But and it, and it is all like that's over it, yeah, the that's, top. That's, that's the one. That's the, yeah, that's it. They watch that one as well. Yeah, and, it, and it's and you and I, you know, I, I see it as well. And you just think it is that draw. You say, you just, okay, but you have to. I think for that, because it's more like lifestyle in that sense. You you pretty much have to sell your soul at that point. You know, you have to just yeah. go like, this this is my family, and this is what we're, our identity is. You know, and. Yeah. And I'm not willing to do that. And I do think it is detrimental. I think there's some value to the whole um, being comfortable for a, for a kid. But I also think that they shouldn't then feel like their life is that fake. Because these things are all, yeah. they're all fake. You know, it's all just how to get views. It's all manufactured in that way to yeah. create engagement or whatever that scene is. And if you grow up thinking that that's what life is, that just this series of, you know these toy companies sending me yeah yeah like <laughs> yeah. it just or, or like we'll manufacture this scenario or just do this thing or whatever for every single thing especially yeah. from such a young age i just thought i think 
that's I think that can't that can't be healthy. I just it can't be right. No. It is I scary. Agree. I I I do wonder. I do think you know that you like you said that whole Macaulay Culkin thing. I think that that you end up then creating this whole different world for for kids at that point. Uh, and I I think that that's I do worry about like the future of what that brings. You know. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, because everything your life is around creating something that's content. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, we're going to we're going to Tesco's to a weekly shop today. Oh, right, how can we make this a con- piece of content as opposed to just nipping to the shops to get your food? It's just exactly. Yeah, it's and like it's, the Truman Show, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and then then nothing is real. Like, what then? What? Where's the line? Like, what's real? What's not? And 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 who are you? Like, I think mm. you you end up then. Well, you have the potential then to end up losing yourself because you don't really know who you are anymore because you're trying to be the thing that you're perpetuating on screen. And I think yeah. then, you know, it's like being a method actor for the, your entire life. Well, this is it. But the, the, the tough challenge is, so like if she comes to me and says, oh, daddy, we, why can't we do this? And it's trying to explain that to a five-year-old as opposed to the next day when I'm saying, right, go to your tennis lesson. Well, I don't want to do tennis. It's like, yeah, but it's good for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. It's, it's, yeah. it's just genuinely difficult to to try and explain at that level, they're like, well, why? And you're like, ah, sometimes you just got to trust daddy on this. I'll try and explain it at some point. Like, it's, pa- it's parenting really is a minefield that I am not experienced enough or qualified to really deal with. <laughs> on a day-to-day I would basis. say it gets easier, but it just gets different. Like, because, uh, because, yeah. D- different are, challenges different. is what I hear. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when they're all at different ages, I think that the hardest part that I found is that you have to parent each one of them differently but yeah but the annoying part about that is that each of the kids regardless of age doesn't see why they are parented differently to the other one they're like well hey wait it's, hang it's, on you're like so you're, you're it's the you same analogy is creating different content for different channels isn't it yeah it doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> all right let's move on from parenting talk to me about <laughs> if someone if i so let's use your let's use your kid then 18 said if um he came up to you and said he wanted to start a YouTube channel. What would you say to him? Yeah, I'd say go for it. I'd say I'd ask him why, what is what he wanted to do, what his uh, what his goals were with it, um, and but I'd be I wouldn't mind him doing that at all. I don't think. I think that whether it's YouTube or something else, whatever he wanted to do, uh, content creation behind that has a that has a meaning. You know, if you have a direction that you're heading in or you have a goal. I think content creation is one of the best ways to to try and market that. You know, it's marketing at the end of the day. And I think yeah. that being able to understand that it is, and it's not just, you know, I'm just starting a YouTube channel. Like, what is your goal? What do you want to do? Um, but also I'd say it's, it's fucking hard. Like, it's not easy. You've got to really, you've got to be in it for the long haul. And if you want to do it, then it's going to get tough. And you have to understand that that's the goal that you're pushing towards and and, and stick to it. You use the word goal quite a few times there. Is it is it important to have a goal? I think it sets direction. So, like I said, I, I didn't know what my overall goal with the channel is, but my main goal is to share my experience of trying to get to, you know, what I'd call probably financial freedom or whatever that looks like and not retire when I'm decrepit or more decrepit than yeah. I am. So that's like, that is my goal. As loose as it might be, that is just my goal. And it might change along the way, and that's fine. 
but I have something that sets a direction. And I think if you don't have that level, it's harder to aim towards something. And it's and, and it comes to that balance, right? And it's the balance of having a goal because then you meet that thing. So I don't like a goal of like, oh, I want to get to X number of subs or I want to get to... So metrics are hard for me to have a goal behind because it, you'll hit it and you'll go, okay, what now? Do I just stop or do I carry on? So it's like having more of a more of a long-term goal that's in your mind that sets that direction that you can just and then you can have like this whole direction that goes like that so i think having something to aim for as in that isn't a tangible metric i think is important okay fair enough fair enough last question for you ross if we spoke again in 12 months and you said to me chris you know what it's been a really good year for me what would have happened Specifically on YouTube or just in life? <laughs> just, well, <laughs> do you know when I when I wrote you're not the first person to say that. When I when I wrote these questions down, I was like, oh, that's a good question. But then everyone's like, oh, what? What? Just in general? <laughs> I mean, no, no, in YouTube. Uh, uh, I, guess, I mean, YouTube I guess. Wise. I mean, around content creation. Yeah, content creation. So uh, growth is always good, but growth is good because it leads to more opportunities. So for me. Yeah. It could be creating more content with with people like yourselves, meeting new people, creating more connections. I think there's such a such value in connections and meeting new people because, you know, like I said previously, with just getting feedback, you know, understanding more, yeah. it often leads. And all of these things, all of these connections, lead to another opportunity. Whether it's a video creation idea, whether it's new audience, whether it's something. So my goal would be, or my my a good year for me would be to have expanded my connections, no matter what it is, whether it's through, you know, more people in my discord, building my audience, getting more feedback, even if my audience stayed yeah. roughly the same, having more comments or more people watching my videos and actually having more engagement so I could get more feedback, whatever it might be to help me again, set, set the direction in, in that way would be, would be great for me. So yeah, just creating more right. connections would be, would be huge for me i think um so this i'm just this is why i'm like saying i'm saying yes to more things i'm i'm just if, if something comes along I'm like yeah that sounds great Putting yourself out there. yeah and, and i just think it's super interesting to meet other people like yourself who who are creating content you know we're we're all out here trying to I suppose do our thing and learn as we go and it's very difficult when you're in your own little vacuum to realize that the value of creating connections outside that so the best well, times you know I've had look... is to know. Sorry, sorry, I, sorry to try. I was going to say, like, in the heyday of YouTube, you look at some of the big YouTubers of, of, the, of years gone by, a lot of their growth has come from that collaboration. And a lot of them yeah, say totally. that collaboration is, is the key thing that's driven driven that. Yeah, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, collaboration on YouTube or whatever it might be. I just think that the more you the more you have conversations and the more you connect with people, the more it helps your content or your, your journey in general, because you just, you close the loop, you get more feedback, you get more suggestions, you get more ideas, but just, just mm. having conversations like this, it's not really, you're not, you're not trying to do it to, so I can go, actually, I've had a really good idea, but through conversation around a topic, you can't help, but then go, Oh, there's an idea here, or I've just thought about something in a different way. Like having, having that. I've, like, I've written, I've written down three, I've written down three ideas since I've been started talking to you. 
Exactly. So you know what I mean? Point. You can't help that. Yeah. It's uh, and, and the value in that is huge. So you just, yeah. again, you never quite know when it's going to happen. But if you're open to it and you do it, whatever that channel might be or wherever it comes from, creating those connections provides so much wealth. So a good year for me would be able to just increase that feedback or increase the amount of people you talk to or connection points because that just can't help but lead to more more potential opportunities. I agree, mate. And I think that is a perfect place to call a day on this podcast. If anyone wants to come and say hello to you and build that connection with you, where should I be pointing them? Not to my house. That would be weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can find me on Twitter. My Twitter's at, at Random Shenans. You know, I'm on YouTube at Real Talk Business. Uh, yeah, they're, they're probably the main points. If you want to see what I'm up to on YouTube, check out Real Talk Business. Uh, if you yeah, want to I will. check out my my twitter i talk about anything on twitter so yeah random shenanigans on twitter okay i will link to all of that um in the show notes below ross thank you so much for your time this morning thanks for having me it's been awesome that was 10q interview with ross jones if you made it to the end thank you i hope you enjoyed it feel free to share any thoughts on any of the topics on any of the social channels at 10q interview everywhere you may look That's all from me for now. Make sure you subscribe and follow wherever you're listening to this. And the next episode of Thank You Interview will be in your feed very, very soon. Take care of yourselves.